I'd like to talk about an outward look today. And I, I ask the Lord to release burden in this room. And I ask God to release passion and that we wouldn't just preach a sermon or release a message, but that God would allow vision to be released because scripture gives us this admonition in Proverbs 29 and verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. If that would just settle in our spirit, that people perish unless we have vision. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Our prayer today is that God would release 2020 spiritual vision. And we've been asking the Lord to challenge our focus in many areas, an inward look, an upward look. Today, an outward look, an onward look, the power of vision, just talking about those things. Today, I'd like us to uh, take our focus from ourselves and, and I'd like us to see a field of harvest prepared for the church in the end time. And I'd like us to understand the weight of responsibility that rests on our shoulders. And I'd like to talk about the core value of the church. And we pray that it's the core value of our church today. We need vision to be released in our midst. And I'm wondering if with that challenge that's just briefly been given, if you would lay your Bible down and if you would just lift your head heavenward for a moment and we would ask God to open our spiritual eyes this morning. And would you sincerely pray that prayer? It's not about the message. It's not just about response, but it is about what God, I believe, wants to release in this room. And, and I, I, I'm just believing and seeing that God is going to bring a catalyst for someone today, that you're not going to leave the way that you came through those doors. That on the stormy Sunday, that God is going to release burden and passion like you have never had before. I feel the anointing resting in this room right now. I thank you for prayers that have been prayed and some of you that have already prayed about this message and already prayed about this this morning. I'd ask that you just lift your voice one more time and could we ask the Lord to direct our paths, to order our steps, to put a guard on our mouth, Lord, that only what you would desire to be spoken would be, God would be released in this room. I pray every heart would be open, every life would be receptive. God, and I ask that you would allow commission to occur. Let there be just that sweet sense of your spirit. God, that courage that would rest in somebody's heart this morning, that challenge that would be issued, that commission that would be received. In every life, we ask it in your precious name. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Amen. Would you clap hands to the Lord? I guess that single hand clap was a little, just a little bit of fire that God wants to start. Find someone nearby, welcoming them to church this morning, telling you're so glad they made it. I'm so honored that we have guests with us today. We welcome you. We're so thankful that you're all here with us this morning. It's a privilege to have church together with you. Everybody welcome online. Maybe give them a little hand clap. Some with us online right now. <clears throat> I mentioned just a moment ago about <clears throat> a, subject that, <clears throat> a subject that is the core value of our church. 
We sing about revival, we pray for revival, we preach about revival, and we ask God for revival, but revival isn't the only thing that we need. We, we do need that renewing, we need that restoring, and that's something that happens within us, those of us that have already received the Spirit, but maybe somewhere along the line it got a little sideways, or, or we've got a little bit cool in our experience, we've, we've stopped with passion, and now we're just kind of going through an existence. We need revival without a question. But I'd like to also remind us this morning that we aren't here just to maintain our existence. God has positioned us, and God has commissioned us with evangelism. We need more than just revival. The reason that this is just a new birth message is because there is a new life opportunity. That there are men that are walking in darkness right now that have the opportunity for light to be broadcast into their life and their lives will change. There will be new life. I'm excited about Oromocto. I'm grateful for uh, that opportunity. I, I'm, I'm thankful for missions giving. I'm grateful that we do have a look on the field. But sometimes I believe that we could use a vision adjustment in just missions giving and include missions doing. We're behind the mission statement of our organization. It simply says the whole gospel to the whole world and it encompasses so much of what we do. But this morning I'd also like to include a challenge in your vocabulary and simply this, the whole gospel to your world. Your world that may be as close as the, the door next door. Your world that includes the individuals that you uh, address on an individual day. Your world. The whole gospel to your world. I'd like us to one more time hear the call of Christ that he's given to his disciples in the gospel. It was an encounter with a woman at the well that prompted Jesus to address his disciples. You, you know the story. She came. She was a Samaritan woman. She came in the heat of the day because her lifestyle wouldn't be uh, approved of by those around her. She avoided the conversation that would happen with the women that came early. And she came in the heat of the day. But Jesus knew when she would be there. He meets her and in their dialogue and in their discussion, her hunger comes out about uh, true worship. And he mentions to her that... Uh, that that opportunity would be hers. He spoke to her about what could happen in her life and that uh, the water that she was drawing from the well would temporarily satisfy her, but the water that he wanted to give to her would satisfy her forever, an eternal satisfaction that would occur. And in the midst of that conversation, revelation happens, and she understands who he is, that he's more than just a man. He's more than just an individual that's thirsty, sitting at the same well that she is. He, he's a prophet. He's an individual that knows more about her than anybody else. He declared her, need, her deepest needs in just a few moments. He knew who she was, and she grips that reality of who he is and doesn't just stay in that moment at the well. Scripture says she leaves her water pot and goes into the city. And it's in this moment when the disciples have just returned, they're wondering why Jesus is sitting with some woman at the well. They, 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 they don't mention it. They're, they're pondering it to, among themselves. They don't understand why, why he's, one for one, uh, talking to a Samaritan. Number two, why he's talking to a woman. They're, they're just, that, that isn't culturally acceptable. It's, it isn't something that's done. It's, it's, not, it's not accepted norms. However, 
The call for evangelism that was in Christ was released to her. And she didn't sit there. And, and in, the, in that context, he begins to discuss with his disciples. He, he sees the response that she has. And her immediate reaction isn't just to keep it for herself. And she see, he sees that response of her leaving and to go find someone so he, she can tell them about him. And in, in that moment, he's, he's got to be wondering to himself, and he begins this dialogue with his disciples. He said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. He said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Get a vision. He said, look up, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He said, without a vision, those people are going to perish. Don't say four months because we can't afford four months. Don't say four weeks because we can't afford four weeks. Don't say four days, four hours, or four minutes. We can't afford it. They are white already unto harvest. He doesn't stop there. He said, he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. Both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. There is a sower and there is a reaper, but we all celebrate together. There are seeds that have been sowed that are waiting for someone to reap the harvest today. Not in four months, not four weeks, not just moments from now. But God said, right now, the fields are ready. And if you'll just elevate your gaze, CCC, can I challenge us today that we need to look on the fields because they are white already unto harvest. We don't need to wait. Uh, we, 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 I appreciate game plans and, and organization. I appreciate the people that kind of sign up for evangelism and showed up yesterday in Oromukdo to march through streets in the middle of winter to, so that the gospel can be extended and expanded. I'm grateful for all of that. But, but we can't just sit and wait for something to happen. God says get a vision of it now. Because if you get a vision of it, you'll save the perishing. You'll, you'll save the perishing. One sows and another reaps. He said, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. That's our promise today. We've been in this community 50 plus years. And God is saying the seed that's been sown... There is a season of reaping. And if there is any, ever a season of reaping, it's end time. And we are in end time, reaping season. I think the evangelistic efforts of the woman at the well moved Christ deeply. She left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Listen. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And while he's having this conversation with his disciples, the fields are already white under harvest. Here comes this group of people that have been ministered to by a woman who told them about the one who could change their lives. Her, you got to understand, because her testimony would have had to include about who she was. It could have it had to include about what she was. But she didn't let that distract from the fact that they need to, needed to hear about this man at the well. And so here are some disciples who were concerned about their physical need. They had just gone into the city to get bread. They had gone into the city to get food. But here was a woman that was concerned about the spiritual need. The hunger that she had was, was, was greater. The thirsting that was satisfied was greater than a natural thirst. It was a spiritual thirst that God answered in her life. 
Her evangelism effort was in stark contrast to the routine that the disciples had fallen into and the day-to-day maintenance that prompted Christ's conversation with them. Not four months, right now. Not later, now. Not when you get it all together, now. Not after you sat at the feet of Christ and learned everything that he had to teach you for three and a half years, now. Not, not after three years of Bible college, now. Not when we get everything in order. Now. The fields are white already under harvest right now. Now is the season. Today is the day. This is the accepted time. We have got to get a vision of a white harvest field. While he is having that frank conversation with his disciples, she is living every word that he is speaking. She wasn't satisfied for keeping it all to herself. The private audience with Jesus and the personal attention that she was getting didn't keep her quiet and content. There was something stirring in this woman that wouldn't allow her to keep it to herself. That's why she left her water pot and runs into the city to get men because men needed this Christ. And the scripture tells us what happened. She had a simple vision of what God could do. It said many of the Samaritans of that city, someone say many, Many. believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days and many more, someone say many more, believed because of his own word and said unto the woman now we believe not because of thy saying for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ the savior of the world so because of her simple testimony all she did was got people in the presence of Christ all she did was get people into that place where they could see for themselves what God could do in their lives all they did was they she didn't she didn't have a background in theology she didn't have her bible study chart under her arm she didn't have 50 and that's great we need that this isn't I'm not condemning us today I look out and sometimes I see people and they think oh he's getting hard on us today he's no I'm telling you that that God can use you right now in your position, in your place, with your, with your limited knowledge, all you need to know is that God changed my life. He can change yours. That's as simple as it gets. God changed my life. He can change yours. We don't have to wait. It can happen right now. If we're going to have 2020 spiritual vision, it can only come if we're willing to look on the field. If we're going to have 2020 spiritual vision in 2020, then we need to lose all of our excuses, the reasons for our lack of reach, the logic for our loss of action. Say not, there are four months. No wonder Jesus forgot all about the food. As a matter of fact, he told his disciples, I have meat that you know not of. I know, I know you brought me back something to eat, guys, but thanks, but I'm, I'm being filled right now. There's something that satisfies the heart of Christ when someone engages in evangelism that nothing else does. We respond to the call that he gives. We respond to the prayer that he asks us to pray. There's something that happens in the heart of God. If you ever wonder if you're in God's will, it's when you're an evangelist. 
It's when you're willing to tell somebody God can turn your life around. Light can shine in the midst of your darkness. Healing can happen in the middle of your hurt. Salvation can come in the midst of your loss. That's the God that we're serving today. God can change your life. God can. Let me, let me just push this a little further. Let me remind you, it was just one conversation that that woman had at the well. She was minutes old in her faith. She was limited in her knowledge. She had a poor reputation. She's got just one testimony. I was a mess, but now I'm not. And she gives just one invitation, and the city turns out. She was a Samaritan. She was sinful, but she was searching, and she was the one that got it. She got it. Second Corinthians makes this statement. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You see, we, we need vision in the church because there is a God in the world. Verse 4 says it. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There is blindness in the world. But we have been brought sight. If we have spiritual vision, then we will take the gospel to those that have been blinded. The apostle preaches on, he said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts he said, if anybody should have this passion, if anybody should have this vision, if anybody should release this message, it's someone who has received salvation. Shined in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of, Christ, of Jesus Christ. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'll remind you again, it's not in our ability. It's not in our knowledge. It's just we're a vessel that simply says, God, would you pour into me so I can pour into others? God, would you pour into my life so that I can be an overflow in the world around me? Would you pour into my life so that I can impact my community, my family, so I can impact my coworkers, my friends? Would you pour into my life because it's going to spill over and it's going to impact change in hearts and in lives. It's going to turn communities around it's going to turn individuals around that happens when we get a vision people don't perish the command comes because let me address a common response that we all have i'm just tired it's busy i'm in a busy season i'll just remind us all it's never not going to be busy. Amen. I talk to our seniors who are retired, and they're busy. But the command still comes. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Paul reiterates it in 2 Thessalonians 3.13. But ye, brethren, he, it's actually a command. He says, be not weary in well-doing. 
I know I'm on touchy turf. Be not weary. I'm just so tired. Be not weary. And well, here, here, let let me just give a little instruction. The fact is our weariness doesn't come in our well-doing. It comes in our wrongdoing. Our endless non-eternal efforts sap our strength and trap us in temporal toil until we succumb to weariness from wrongdoing. Maybe not bad doing, not sin doing, but just wrongdoing. We, we fill our time and our calendar and our schedule with stuff and events and until we are tired of the toil, but we still haven't touched the harvest. And that's why he said, be not weary in well-doing. When we do well, there's a promise that we won't be weary. We don't have to be weary. If you're tired, it may be because we're doing the wrong thing. Because there is a promise right there in the word that if we do the right thing, if we do well, then we will not be weary. If we do well, then we have the promise that God said there's a strength that's going to undergird you. There's power that's going to come alongside you. You're not going to operate from your own effort, your talent, your gifting. You're going to operate in authority and power that comes from him. You won't be weary in well-doing. I don't know about you, but I'd love to expend myself and extend myself and still not get weary and it will happen if we're doing the right thing the burden is rewarded with unspeakable joy when we sow and reap precious seed it's given in psalm 126 verse 6 he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing somebody say burden it should be a wearisome time. He said, it's weeping and it's passion and it's courage and, and it pushes us and it propels us out of our comfort zone. But he said, in that moment, you're going to come again with rejoicing, not sorrow, not worn out, not, not too tough to tackle whatever comes your way. I'm telling you that it, it, there's this joy that will come if we bear precious seed. We will come again with rejoicing. But here's the, here's the promise, bringing his sheaves with him. You, you don't see the... I watched a couple YouTube videos <clears throat> this morning. I was going to talk, and, and there's people that are growing wheat in their little backyard pasture. I think that would be better than mowing grass anyway. They got these little, you know, it showed the whole process. I, and I, I admire these people because they must set the camera up like 15 times. And, you know, there's this little plot of ground, and they got the camera set up, and they're raking it all out. And they, 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 they the same plot of ground month later and they're they're you know they're they're sowing the seed and covering it all over and getting a tarp so the birds don't take the seed away and and they're kind of poking all the holes and getting everything all done and, and then another month later and you see the stalks coming out of the ground and they got the camera back up and and that when the things are flowering the camera back up again when it's ready for harvest and then the camera back up again when they're I was like I'm just tired watching this but in each one of those cases You didn't see anybody frustrated about the time that they spend. They're not talking about the discouragement because of how long it took or or how much effort it it, it was responsible. They're they're so delighted. (laughs) These people are awesome. I mean, they got a food processor and they're processing. They're processing grain in a food processor. They, They got the the sheaves and they're you know punching it in there 
You know, they're getting one-tenth return. They're getting 10 to 15 seeds from a single seed back after return. But they're celebrating that. No one was complaining about the lack of yield. No one was talking about all the effort that it took. All it was was, look at the bread. The last picture's about a guy. Yum. It's like, oh, my word. Go to Bulk Barn. But not those guys. Why? They've invested in the harvest. They've got the seed in the soil. They're out there with the watering can. They're celebrating when it pokes through the ground. They're celebrating when it flowers. They're celebrating when the stalks are full of wheat. They're celebrating watching the tares get thrown, blown away with their little, their little wind machine. I love a leaf blower. A leaf blower is my favorite cleaning article. I, sometimes I open one door of the van and the other door and get the leaf blower out. It's awesome. But this is a new leaf blower, oppor- leaf blower opportunity that I didn't know about. This guy's got a little battery-operated leaf blower, and he's blowing the, the tears away from the wheat. They, he's got a little, little bowl. He's got a leaf blower. And after he's all done, all that, he's got a little handful of seed, and he's grinding it on a handmill. <laughs> Sorry, I think that's just so... good workout he says bulk barn I said (laughs) but none of them are complaining about the yield from the wheat why they're just celebrating it 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 was the time that they're rejoicing in what the ground produced they're rejoicing in the fact that if you sow the seed the harvest is there to reap but we've got to get our scissors in the harvest field we've got to get our hands in the harvest and pull come on we got to pull it out of the ground we got to get those go got to bind up those sheaves and get them in for harvest so that, that that we can yield the product we can celebrate what God said would do the seed is in the soil the fields are white to harvest and all we've got to do is go in and reach and God will do the rest get a vision of what God wants to do don't be weary in well doing don't be weary I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning many of you have come out in bad weather for the third Sunday in a row you supported the work you've given to missions you got our back and you celebrate this church on every accomplishment. But it is possible that we have passion and poor vision. It's possible that we have sight, but poor vision. It's possible that we have come out of darkness into marvelous light, but we still have poor vision. It's possible that we have the message, but we have poor vision. It's possible that we've been transformed but we have poor vision. That's why we need to pray that God will give us vision. We can come to the music this morning. Mark 8, verse 22. It says that he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him he asked if he saw aught says that blind man looked up and he said I see men as trees walking I see men as trees it's possible 
I'm sure that the blind man was celebrating the fact that he could see men as trees. But his vision was still obstructed. The clarity of his vision still hadn't been released. And I find it interesting that he didn't talk about the path, he didn't talk about the flowers. I think the picture is there for us to see clearly because sometimes we see men as trees walking. We have poor vision. We have poor vision because the crowd on our streets become a part of a picturesque landscape. The co-workers in our life become the fabric of life's billboard. The individuals that we meet become a backdrop of what we're doing, our accomplishments, our focus, our intentions, our plans, our agenda. We see men as trees. But our prayer today in this subject that we are delivering is that God would give us the ability to see men as men to see women as men, women as children and then we see them all as eternal souls the mission field for us may not be Africa or Asia South America or even North America. The mission field for you may be to the first door on the right or the first door on the left because they're not just neighbors, they're souls. They aren't just workers, they're souls. They're not just clerks, they're souls. They aren't just waiters, and waitresses, their souls. They aren't just salesmen, their souls. They aren't just delivery drivers and individuals going through life tasks. They're not just people, they're souls. They aren't just trees, they're men and women, they're eternal souls that will spend eternity somewhere. We pray for China this morning because even though they're oceans apart, they're souls. I mentioned our outreach team yesterday in Ormukdo in the middle of winter. Why? Because they're souls. And that's why this isn't just a sermon, it's a challenge. And that's why this isn't just a service, it's a commission. And that's why we still proceed, even though the storm is inconvenient and the weather's unreliable. And that's why we've assembled together in this room to hear and to heed the word of the Lord, because we aren't just men as trees. We all are souls. And that's why we're hearing and heeding the commandment that declares to us, be not weary in well-doing. It's all about souls. And if we will but get a vision, no wonder Jesus said, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They're white 
already to harvest. If we will get a vision of harvest, nothing will move us from the purpose of reaching souls. God, give us spiritual 2020 vision in 2020. I'm going to press a little further if it's okay with you. The Apostle Paul had passion. He had purpose. He had drive. He had focus. But he didn't have the correct message and he didn't have the correct vision. With Paul, it meant that God met him on a Damascus road with a bright light. It meant that he knocked him off of his beast. It meant that God blinded him to his own ambition so that he could release vision in Paul's life. And with Paul, it meant that he would traverse unfamiliar territory. With Paul, it meant that he would be thrust into prison cells and weather shipwrecks. It meant that he would sit with Silas in stocks and bonds, but at midnight they would praise the Lord. It, it, it meant an adjustment. It meant a change. It, it meant leaving everything that he had known. It meant leaving everything that he had been taught. It meant assembling himself with a group of believers that he had just finished terrorizing. It meant that regardless of who he was brought before or where he was, he would preach the message of salvation. No matter where he was or when he was there, it didn't matter the time of day, it didn't matter the season of life, there was always a message that Paul had to preach. It was that of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that he could change lives. And no wonder when he was brought before King Agrippa, his declaration to the king. Now remember, he's before a king. If we had the audience with Princess Elizabeth this morning, what would our communication be like? We'd be in awe of her position and we'd be respectful of her authority. She's the queen. But Paul's brought before King Agrippa and he's only got one thing on his mind and he's only got one message to speak. He said, King Agrippa, listen, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Why? Because without a vision, people are going to perish. So I can't be disobedient to the vision, Agrippa, because if I do, I risk you perishing. But if I preach it, I risk your salvation. I'm willing to put my life at risk. I'm willing to, to put myself in, a, in an uncomfortable place so I can preach this vision to you. He said, I wasn't disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles. What? That they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. Are you getting the message, Agrippa? Do you hear what I'm saying? That God can turn your life around. That God can transform you. I'm, I'm preaching to men. I'm telling you about what I've done. But, but the message, Agrippa, is that God can do this for you. 
He said, for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple. They went about to kill me, having therefore obtained help of God. But he said, listen, he said, I continue unto this day. I know I'm threatened. My life is threatened, but I have a vision. I know I'm at great risk, but I have a vision. I know people want to take my life, but I have a vision. I, I know that people on both sides of this equation don't know how to take me. They don't understand me, but I have a vision. And I'm not going to be disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Oh, God, give us a vision today. I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and to great. It doesn't matter who you are or what you represent. I'll witness to the, the beggar on the street the same way that I'll witness to you, Agrippa, in your, ta in your, your palace and in your authority, in your throne room. I'll, I'll tell you about what this king of mine did for me, King Agrippa. I'm going to say none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. And he preaches the gospel that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. I'm not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Why? He said, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. This message dispels darkness, Agrippa. This message turns lives around Agrippa. Paul doesn't defend himself. He defends his message. He defends the gospel. Agrippa, you're the king. But I refuse to be disobedient under this heavenly vision. Would you stand together with me this morning? If God will grace us with a vision today, it will transform every single one of us. Often our altar calls are a corporate call, an invitation, and it's no different this morning. You may be like the woman at the well. This may be your first encounter with a message like this. You're not excluded. This is your opportunity today. We're reaching into our mukto. We don't know who will be there today. We don't know. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to put a light up in the midst of darkness, a lighthouse in the midst of a stormy sea. Why? because we can't be disobedient unto a heavenly vision. If God will grace us with that vision, we will save people from perishing. And so my call today is, is there anybody that would like to receive that vision? It comes with a cost. Like Paul, it'll put us in uncomfortable positions. It's a challenge that won't leave you alone if you'll receive it, if you'll get one glimpse of that vision. There's a challenge in the room today that we look up and we look out. The field is white, all ready to harvest. Not four months from now. But today, God is wanting to reach 
So this morning, it's a call. I'm not waiting for an emotional appeal. I do feel like there is a spiritual anointing that's resting in this room. And I'm going to pray one simple prayer, and then I'm going to invite you to come if you would like to receive that vision, if you want to be part of that. that purpose and plan that God has to reach our world today. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask our team if they'll come. We're going to pray that God will open eyes. Brother Nathan, I ask if you would come to the front. I'm going to ask you to pray with people in a moment, but I want to pray for you. Pastor Mike, if you'll come. Both these men are representing commissioning that's happened in this room this morning. And I understand he has a position there's a commission that's greater than a position. It's about souls. These are two, but I'm wondering if there's anybody this morning that will join them and say, God, would you give me a spiritual vision? God, would you let me see not just men as trees, but God, would you open my eyes so I can see people the way that you see them, so I can see with 2020 vision this morning. Lord, Without a doubt, God, without a doubt, you're calling in this room right now. I pray, Father, that you would help us to lift our eyes. God, lift our eyes from current circumstances and activities. Lift our eyes from calendars and agendas that crowd us until we're weary. I pray, God, that you would bring a vision. God, adjust our outlook. Impact us today so we can see clearly. God, get a, a vision. We may lose our natural sight, but God, would you give us a spiritual vision? We may lose, lose sight of the, the natural agendas and the, God, the, the self-serving things that we do. You're, you want to release us from that so we can engage in the purpose that you called us to engage in today evangelism reaching a world that needs this lesson god needs this message needs this gospel today i pray that you would move the way that you move god open someone's eyes we pray in jesus name i'm wondering if you would come this morning as many of you as would come close I'm going to pray for as many of you as I can because I believe that God is calling in this room. It may not be everybody, but I'm we're going to ask that God would bring anointing. I'm going to ask our team if they'll begin to pray with individuals. But wherever you are, if you would just make that move. Young people, we need you involved. We need you engaged in the harvest. We need passionate. We need the strength that you bring with your youth. But you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have any great ability. We just need God to release a vision in this room this morning because if we have no vision, people are perishing today. We can go ahead and raise this green. For the mission.